Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing. Recorded at the PW offices in New York City, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I'm also the co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as the graphic novels review editor of Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat, comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Simmons. I'm their podcast producer. Okay, this week on More to Come, Comics at BEA with The French Connection. Also, Comics Alliance is back. Antarctic Press eh, and Walmart. Kindle Worlds. Comixology and Apple um, and Censorship. And the News Briefs. So let's get right to it. Comics at BEA uh, with the French Connection. Right, right. Well, the BEA just wrapped up uh, Thursday to Saturday. First time with that um, scary new uh, time day. Saturday is the day for consumers. Um, yes, the so Thursday through Saturday schedule this yes. year. Yes, although actually Wednesday. There was a whole day of things. Well, Wednesday there. is really not considered BEA. It's actually the International Digital Publishing Forum, which is a day-long event of digital... Nerdism. BEA is like a puffball. You open it up and all these <laughs> different, stuff flies different out. <laughs> acronyms come out. Um, know, so. uh, actually, if we want to start on that day, actually, I, did, I was fortunate enough to be able to cover uh, an e-manga session. Uh, a very interesting um, um, presentation, uh, actually, about the history of digital manga in, in Japan, as well as a look at some, a new venture that was launched by... Um, by a former editor at Kodansha, Yohei uh, Sarushima, uh, who's launched a, a literary agency called Cork. And at the same time, what he's done is he's launched an effort to try to change the way that manga is delivered uh, to a world market. And he's starting with a, essentially an experiment with uh, Moyoko Ano, uh, the, the manga star. Um, and He's, they've created the ability for fans to essentially, uh, in North America, to buy one of her books in particular. Um, I believe it's a Ochibi. But basically it involves you texting a number, uh, texting, a, or te- texting that, the word to a number, and what you do is you receive the ability to uh, a- access a cloud version of the book and buy it. So in other words, you buy it the same way you'd vote for American Idol. <laughs> you know, I guess you. In many ways, that's true. Can't you just go to a website and buy the book? Why you know, do you have to text? I the think thing ultimately to a, you will be able to do that, but this is like kind a of club how that it's has set a doorman. You have to have a secret it's, phone number to have a reservation before you, know, it, you can get in, man. It was, you know, it was a little confusing in the presentation. Um, uh, though uh, I have seen the site and I have. I didn't actually buy it, but I did try it. It, it you can buy the book uh, for a reasonable price. Uh, it's available through multiple uh, retailers. Uh, he's presenting this as a way to for uh, manga ka to really connect with directly with consumers. Uh, he uh, <laughs> it, it's the the way they've launched it is not necessarily I think the most. Um, uh, Intuitive? Yeah, not the, the easiest way to actually bring fans in. <laughs> but I will say the model that he presented there was, was very interesting. It was very, very different. It was an attempt to, to reach out to mm-hmm. international fans. Well, so, you know, I'm... Oh, I'm sorry, Kate. So what, mm-hmm. what's the difference between this model, aside from you text in to get your comic? Like, how... 
does it reach international fans differently than just well, from it, a website? It, at this point, it's you know, it, essentially, it's experimental, okay. and at this point. Uh, they, 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 they haven't you even know, announced you know, it but, anywhere. But Calvin, it seems like it's a bold experiment only in terms of the Japanese manga industry where getting it in digital is akin to, you know, well, well, fire. Maybe there are so. some other aspects to it that I'm missing or that they haven't announced yet. But it well, just... well they, the fact is, almost everyone in the West is completely in the dark about this. And the explanation during the presentation wasn't the best. Uh, there, and one of the reasons, I mean, one one thing you will find out, and during the presentation that we were, we were given on the history of digitizing manga, at the end of the day, Japanese publishers, while they don't always have the right, the digital rights, it's really in many cases is up to to the mangaka to actually decide whether or not they want their work digitized. There is such um, caution and care about how manga is pre presented in digital. Very often, the publishers simply do not like, for instance, they don't like people moving and messing around with the panel structure. They find it, you know, really a, 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 a desecration well, of it, manga. It makes sense because um, manga is far more likely to have, like, intricate and embedded panel structures than your average superhero comic. Yeah, uh, that's actually true, but... Um, and the reading flow of any good comic, you know, I mean, just flipping it doesn't work the same, to be fair. So it does require a lot of work. But, you know, but, I mean, the subtopic of BEA was the mysterious future of content. And, I mean, I, this panel sounds like it really amplified that because it's very <laughs> well, it's mysterious. Very, it's a very mysterious And the adventure. future seems uh, questionable, but... So what's uh, this mysterious future of Well, I don't know. I didn't hear of. one single person talk about that at the show. It was just a marketing <laughs> show. Uh, <clears throat> but as far as... Um, uh, the manga presentation, it wasn't an interesting, albeit mysterious, uh, effort to somehow or other show that the J Japanese publishers um, another way of reaching out to a global market. I'm not sure it was the best way. Um, I'm not sure it was even very effective. Uh, and the presentation could have been much, much better. But, you know, I guess we'll wait and see until it yeah. really hits our shores. Uh, at this point, I would say go to Yohei Sodashima's uh, website, Cork. If you Google it, uh, you'll find it. And Google Cork and Mayoko Ano. Cork is spelled C-O-R-K. We'll leave it oh, at that. Cork. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but I tell you, if you Google Cork and Mayoko Ano, you'll get this, you'll get his site. And I Mayoko Ano is M-O-Y-O-C-C-O. Yes. Because if you even if you go to Mayoko Ano's website, you don't really see the connection to this digital this e-commerce. So it's it's very it's very difficult. Yes, a lot of e-commerce is Hard to find on yeah. the web, oddly. Yeah, but getting into um, uh, well, this one is dealing with this guy. Getting into the to the, the uh, comics at BEA, it, it was a strange year. Comics uh, obviously were obviously spread. Comics uh, exhibitors are spread oh. out throughout the hall. Yeah, there was very little programming. Yeah. Uh, except for one panel, uh, graphic which Calvin, panel, which Calvin I moderated. Uh, but moderated. that had fabulous people yes, on it, it had and a great it was turn. Very well attended as well, I would say. Uh, who was on this panel? Calvin? And who was on this panel? We had uh, Jin Yang, who was talking about his uh, new book, really books, Boxers and Saints from for, uh, from first second. Um, nice. uh, Faith Aaron Hicks, who's doing a graphic novel adaptation, um, The Last of Us, which is really an adaptation of a video game. Um, and um, Paul Pope, who was there uh, presenting Battling Boy. Uh, and they were a delightful group. We had, I thought, a 
really good turnout uh, as far as audience. Uh, I saw Heidi back there in the back yeah. at a certain yeah. point. No, it definitely had uh, definitely had a. Uh, I had seen some other panels and that were book books, and I would say that your panel had an excellent turnout, especially considering that it was opposite um, happy hour on the floor, the <laughs> yes, floor right. high, cocktail hour, which is usually the most popular time of the day at BEA. So I would say it was a very mm-hmm. good turnout, and uh, you know, an ex- excellent panel and. Uh, I mean, I, I think that the headline for PW's Daily on day two really nailed the show. It says, you know, stability brings hope. Uh, you know, a, a Star Wars, a new hope. You know, help, help me. Uh, well, it, 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 <laughs> well after years of basically, you know, uh, the show in decline, uh, of publishers complaining about it, uh, yes, mostly exactly. about the court. But basically, uh, Book Expo America now, it's basically going to be based in New York. I mean, many years ago, it used to travel well, around it is to many cities. To, it's moving to Chicago in a couple of years. Supposedly it is. We'll oh. see whether it actually oh, okay. does that or All not. Right. The publishers want it in New York. Yes. Uh, I believe at the end of uh, my boss's story, uh, Marcus Dole, uh, mm-hmm. of the CEO of Random House, said in New York. they want it in New York. Uh, there's an outside chance that it may go to Chicago. There's even been talk of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Uh, if I were a betting man, I wouldn't bet on it. The show is much smaller. It's all on one level now. Yeah, I now. said it. It's reached, uh, you know, white dwarf status for sure, or <laughs> yes. red dwarf anyway. It's definitely shrunk down to one floor from the times when but it took it up the whole busy, um, yeah, it was busy all day, every yeah. day. Uh, and thanks to consumers being uh, brought in on Saturday, this was uh, a, a BEA's wild experiment in actually talking to their customers face-to-face. And how did that go? What was uh, well, Consumer Day like? You know, I got there late in the day, but, um, you know, the people well, they that were, were lined up on at, the floor. They were there yeah, uh, for Neil yeah, Gaiman. Yes. I mean, that was the thing. It's yes. like, guess what? If you have a world-famous author with a, a fanatical cult follow or cult, I wouldn't even say cult. I mean, the guy's got a fanatical following. And uh, so there was people, I, I had to get there for breakfast, and there was already like 200 people in line at 8 a.m. Yeah, so I mean, nothing, he basically yeah, is a religion. Yes, exactly. And uh, so, I, yes, that, that's a big shocker right there. If you have Neil Gaiman <laughs> and the public, you'll have a big crowd. So, um, but, you know, it wasn't really that easy to get in. You had to, they were called power readers. Uh, they had to get their, I'm not quite sure well, how they Supposedly got there was no criteria. All you had to do was pay 50 bucks. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yes. So, okay. Didn't you have to go to a bookstore to get them, though? Or? Uh, I, I'm not sure where you could buy the tickets, right. but probably okay. so. Okay. Um, in fact, it's funny, in our news meeting this morning, there was much discussion about uh, how did these readers find out about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there was some information on the, on the, the BEA website, and uh, supposedly there were a number of bloggers who were writing about it and encouraging fans to come out. Uh, some publishers actually took the uh, revolutionary step of preparing materials to give away. And I, I'm saying that sarcastically because there, there, there seems to be a number of big publishers who just seem terrified at the notion of talking to consumers. Which is kind of funny because a lot of them show up at New York Comic Con and are happy talking to consumers. Um, yes, but like, they are. But I guess they've got BEA Well, it's not, but it's not everybody. I mean, it's yeah, not like Random right. House is, is no, they there selling. Well, they do, but they're selling their genre books is what I'm saying. Oh. You know, they're not there selling, you know, their lead fiction titles. And they don't ah, sell their books. They make sure yes. that there's a book vendor to yes. sell the yes. books but for them. But you know there was a book vendor at this BEA. Penguin yes. had a bus out in front yes, that was did. selling books. And, yes, uh, via, via McNally Jackson. Yes, so, you know, I mean, this is just the evolution of the show as evidenced yes. by the way that it's shrinking it has to change or it's going to you know it's going to to die out i mean i think you know one year random house had nothing but a tiny kiosk on the floor and you know random house is of course the largest publisher in the world 
And, uh, you know, that really upset people. So this time at least they had, you know, a semblance of a booth. And, you know, that gives people much better uh, a mood, I think. But the children's section used to be one entire hall. And now it was just a row of booths. Um, You know, the digital was a lot larger. Uh, Comics got moved to the front of the room. For years they were stuck back behind the remainders. This time Diamond's area had been had been moved up. So, you know, I mean, I think there it is absolutely evolving in that way. And um, I think that they, like Calvin, you're absolutely correct in that, you know, the big publishers don't want to have a, a, they don't want to have a book fair in the way that Frankfurt is or London is. Well, London's closed, right? There's no public at London, is there? uh, London, well, I've never been to, actually, London, I've never been to the London book fair. I'm pretty sure of what it's about. I mean, it's a big, bustling show. I mean, Frankfurt is the biggest. Uh, there's some, yes, actually there is some public, um, at, at London. There is a whole day that's, enthu- that's very enthusiastic at Frankfurt. Yes. Um, and, and they seem which to is manage huge, that. Which is bigger, way bigger than anything Way the bigger BEA than BEA. I mean, yeah. it's, well, a, you yes. know, they've got like 10 halls, each of which is almost as big as BEA. Yeah. Well, you know what? I wonder why they didn't want consumers but, there in the first but place. But you know what? They, because they don't want to deal with consumers. They don't want to deal with I've consumers. seen them sometimes, and I, I understand a little bit. But you know what? <laughs> the one thing, I mean, I think we're really way off topic from comics at BEA, but just in talking about trade shows in general, uh, even though you're saying, um, you know, is it keep it in New York? Okay, uh, New York is still so expensive to set up at. All right, as is Chicago. Chicago's even more expensive. You know, I'm not sure how expensive it is to set up, set up in Frankfurt, which is uh, international. But I mean, it can't be that much less when you factor in all the charges. But I, I'm it probably well, isn't as much with, as as the other thing with Frankfurt is it is a huge rights center. BEA yes, exactly. is has is is there are some rights work that goes on to right. BA too. But it's nothing in comparison right. with Frankfurt. Frankfurt is a huge rights marketplace. Mm-hmm. Yes. So um so there are there are other reasons to go there because you're really going there to make money and to design Absolutely. and some it's sign a, deals. It's a heavy, heavy business. Yeah. But I mean when they let people in it's it's a huge uh, Oh I think this is a huge biggest and they turn fair. it yes. into a festival. Yes. And they exactly. pay the equivalent I think of about thirty bucks. Right. And I would tell you, you know the biggest phenomenon of the Frankfurt Consumer Day is cosplay. Right. Wow. It's cosplay. It's anime characters and American comic book characters. I awesome. mean, there. Are, I mean, there's hundreds of them. They take over this massive, wow. like, it, it, there's a big park that's kind of in the center of one of these where the halls are surrounding it, and kids are everywhere. And it's it's you might as well be at San Diego. Never underestimate the appeal of cosplay. Yes, yeah. Well, you know, just to bring it back briefly, um, I, I next to Neil Gaiman, I would have to say the biggest thing at uh, Book Expo was Grumpy Cat. Uh, Calvin, you already <laughs> yes, had I'm a run in with Grumpy Cat at South by Southwest, <laughs> and a huge line, which I actually stood yes. in. But I mean, I, I just, I was, I was, it is, but I was astonished. I mean, I just had to see the enthusiasm that people had for this cat, and uh, you know, people stood in line an hour to see a cat, oh. and. That was okay. Enough with the cats. There were other significant comics events at at BEA, including the including the Saturday morning breakfast with John Lewis, which was clearly one of the highlights of the show. Not as much as Grumpy Cat, really. Yeah, but some of us (laughs) just are not that interested. But uh, John Lewis actually was an extraordinary, uh, great American hero. You were there actually at the breakfast. I was at the Um, breakfast, but uh, I was thinking about Grumpy Cat. And he eventually ended up at um, (laughs) uh, at John Lewis, not Grumpy Cat. Actually, at the breakfast. At the breakfast, 
Uh, yes, John Lewis spoke, at, you know, very stirring. I mean, he's doing a huge, a huge publicity tour for this graphic novel, and, you know, just speaking at the breakfast with Chris Matthews and Helen Fielding, wow. the author of Bridget Jones, and Dana Gabaldon of the Outlander series, which sounds a lot like Highlander, and is also about a Scotch hero. It's a very uh, select group, but yeah. I mean, for him to be there promoting a graphic novel is um, very, very um, unusual. He's going to be at San Diego and, also. And, and, yes, and very impressive. Yeah. And, I mean, he's a just, you know, he's a natural. I mean, when you meet him, he's just, what a, you know, he's a campaigner. Yes. <laughs> Every well, minute. He's, Every uh, minute. He's amazing. A, a he's great really American. A really great American. And, I mean, what a, he'll, he'll be a fantastic spokesman for this graphic novel. And he ended up in the Diamond Booth, which was also the locus of a lot of activity. Yes. Uh, in particular, I was very interested, in, uh, or I had an interesting encounter, because um, I ended up meeting with the CEO of Dargo, uh, Philippe Osterman. Uh, who was there also with uh, Laurent uh, Duvald, I believe his name was, really a, a kind of a spokesperson translator. But they were very interested in the American um, graphic novel market, really um, asking probing questions about publishing into this market, and really looking to provide ways to support the graphic novel. Uh, obviously, the, U, the, the uh, European BD, Ben Desene, <laughs> my French sucks, um, uh, in the coming years. So, uh, but, and we also met a French agent who was talking uh, a, a great deal about um, uh, getting American press to Angoulême, and at the same time, talking a little bit about the Palme d'Or, the winner of the Palme d'Or, right. which was a graphic, which was a was, film well, the movie, based on a graphic novel. It was a film novel. based on a uh, graphic novel, which I'm not even going to try the French title, but it was um, Blue's The Warmest Color mm. by a uh, creator named Julie Moreau. Yes. And, you know, that's a pretty awesome. Um, um, and at first she was very happy about the movie, but then, uh, as you read down in her blog, she also said the movie is very controversial at uh, Cannes because it's about a love affair between this girl who has a love affair with another girl and there's like a 10 minute long a completely yes, nothing to the imagination uh, sex scene in Which the movie. Which is particularly controversial because one of the characters is underage. Right, exactly. And uh, I Julie thought they were both underage. Uh, so. Well, they're, no, one they're, they're like 18. A college student the, and one of them's like no. under 18. Yes. Nice. So, uh, and Julie Moreau said that that was not in her book and, and you know, she was definitely a little bit um, not on board with some of the things of the movie, and also she pointed out she wasn't invited to the premiere of the movie no, at Cannes, kind of which is kind of a little bit like yeah. you know. I mean, I remember seeing it's kind of lame. Frank Miller was there for Sin City, and yeah. um, you know, there's been other other uh, yeah. other times. Usually, they invite the crew. Riley O'Malley was on the stage yes. uh, at Comic Con yes. when they brought the film crew yeah, out. I mean, exactly. they deferred to him like it was awesome. Yeah, exactly, and um, so, but you know, I mean, she's happy. With the film, obviously, mm. she's not she going to disown it. She, she just wishes that she'd been. Yeah, I think. Um, I but think you know. the book will be published in English yes. and, and then, in the yes. U.S. by Pulp Arsenal Press. Yes, exactly. So, so, so it's coming there is more French coming, yeah. but you know, the French market has very much been interested in, in getting more of their books here uh, for a while. Well, I think they've got they've a tremendous been backlist. Yes, they do. Hasn't really been fully taken advantage of. Well, here. they've tried and they've tried. I think they just haven't hit the right. There's a lot yeah. of humor in the French comics that just doesn't translate very well. But, um, you know, lesbian sex, I mm. think, is very popular. Yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's not in the comics. Ah, well, then, <laughs> damn. There you go. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, on the floor, uh, we did go around. We were able to talk to some publishers. I got mostly good vibes from people, yeah, well, from publishers. Yes. I talked with Terry, Terry Nautier, 
Uh, Paper Cuts is having a great year. Uh, they're they're releasing uh, a big Smurfs an, uh, anthology in anticipation yeah. of uh, of a new Smurfs film that's uh-huh. coming. Uh, I believe they're they're doing the final volume of Omaha the Cat Dancer. Right, that's right. They've finally. been putting that together. Um, uh, I also talk with Steerforth, who has that uh, deal with Campfire mm-hmm, to bring yeah. in. Uh, their their big book is actually an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice that they're they're kind of designing it as like a, almost like a teen girl magazine, but it looks good. They tell me that their adaptations of the classics are their best selling right. uh, comics. Right. Um, um, talked a little bit with uh, Philip Sublick from Boom, um, and you were in the Diamond. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, that Kuyu Liang, who's the head of Diamond Book Distributors, uh, pointed out is he, you know, I mean, he always gives a very positive spin, but I, and in this case, I think he's he's accurate in that, um, you know, it's people, it, it is still one of the growing fields. It's absolutely yes. been on the rise, and, you know, especially with comic shops, uh, you know, they're still there, their sales are up this year, I mean, that sounds crazy, but it's true. And uh, in indie bookstores that carry graphic novels, it's absolutely one of the fastest growing um, segments. And, you know, he said that some of the chains are actually expanding their yes. their uh, sections. Hastings Books, which has mm-hmm. already a very um, sizable graphic novel section, but it's actually expanding it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Books a Million, he said, has, has even launched, a, you know, they have a new chain that, that yeah, has like a, a very... pop culture in it. Pop which, culture, yeah. yeah, that's called... Uh, Second and Charles, yes, is that yes. what it is? And they also have a sizable uh, graphic novel. Um, yeah, he says 50% yeah. of their merchandise. Yeah, is, is so I, I, I mean, I think there's quite, there's, 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 I, think, I think there's quite a bit going on in the retail segment. And, you know, I mean, I ask people what are the trends in graphic novels, and kids' books are obviously very big, and, um, you know, things that are tying into the, uh, you know, Common Core still publishers are trying to get those out there. Um, you know, video game titles are doing very well. Dark Horse has had some huge successes with those, and there's um, definitely a crossover with the uh, audience. Yeah, and there. I mean, I just think they finally got them in a way that the audience appreciates. You know, DC has that uh, Injustice book, that Cry for Injustice yes, book, which is selling like crazy on the Kindle and digitally and everywhere. You know, I mean, I think of things were generally upbeat. Um, you know, Image is planning for their own Image Con that they're doing uh, on July second, and uh, you know, they'll be there. I think they're what they're planning there is to preemptively and make a lot of their announcements, um, and uh, before Comic Con, and you know, Boom continues to do really well with uh, Adventure Time. They said yeah. that the new Adventure Time graphic novel sold twenty thousand copies. The first. Collection has sold a hundred thousand copies, and now yeah. they're getting into scholastic book fairs with it. And oh, the third one and has sold the third one has sold about three hundred thousand copies. So we're looking at some really huge, massive yeah. numbers there on that. So um, and you know, uh, everyone I talk to talks about Adventure Time. I think that's one of those. Um, I think that's one of those properties that really is a game changer and in a lot of different mediums. So. Uh, just very quickly, um, I had I was able to have a great conversation with uh, Viz Media. They weren't exhibiting, but um, Beth Kawasaki and Kevin Hambrick were on the floor and taking meetings, um, talking to me and and other journalists. Um, they are very happy with how their uh, the simultaneous release of Shonen Jump Alpha is going on. Uh, they're not seeing any cannibalization of print. Um, they're adding the Philippines to their global English. Um, distribution, uh, we should say they're Shueisha titles, you know, this is owned by Shueisha and Shigaka Khan, and uh, according to them, they, you know, what, they, they, they sort of have to negotiate a little bit with both sides, but the Shueisha titles, uh, English titles will be going into the Philippines, 
they report big um, sales from libraries, something like 10% uh, of their overall sales. Uh, and they're doing special sales with um, uh, Uniqlo and Nordstrom, different kinds of things. So um, uh, Yen Press was on hand. They've taken over. They're releasing Kingdom Hearts now. They're also doing some simultaneous um, digital publishing with um, High School of the Dead, of all things. So, uh, I mean, comics didn't have a huge visible presence, but comics, as usual, were every, you know, they really yeah, were everywhere I mean, I you wanted to I don't, I don't think you could say they didn't have, I don't think anything had a huge presence. <laughs> a digital really. had a huge presence. Yeah, I think digital had a huge presence, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't think, um, you know, like I say, it isn't, you know, it's not like, oh my god, our graphic novel's a trend. Uh, to me, it's more like, what are the trends? Because I think we're very well established by now, yeah. and, and, you know, it, it, graphic novels are very established in digital. So, I mean, it's not yeah. really a question of, oh, oh, my God, this is here? Well, you know, I mean, it's... it's well, it's, it's always nice if, if there's a big book, uh, and we haven't had that in a couple of years, and we had it several years yes, in the past, where, where the graphic novel yes. really was mm-hmm. was a big book among among the big books yes, of the show. Yes, that's true. So we haven't really had that in a couple of years, but that doesn't mean there aren't really great graphic right, novels right. there well, that, I'll tell you that one people are talking book, about. Well, although it's a kid's book that I saw that um, they were very impressed by was the Jeffrey Brown's Jedi Academy oh, yeah, book sure. for Scholastic, yeah. uh, and uh, apparently that book is actually going to be, yeah. you know, oh, what a surprise, Star Wars by Jeffrey Brown, it's going to sell a lot of copies. Well, you know, that, you had to go all the way to Javits Center to find that out, you know, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's really adorable. And, and I should say, with respect to Faith, uh, Faith Aaron Hicks, and to Paul Pope, um, and because Paul Paul's book is really going to be, I think, really tremendous too, Battling Boy, really, it's an extraordinary book, but uh, Gene Yang's Boxers and Saints uh, really, I think, is something special. And without over hyping it, um, uh, well, the stuff's amazing. Yeah. But so you know I'm that, not surprised. yeah. So, but you know, I think this is a conversation that comes up again and again as well. It's like you know, you're saying there wasn't a big book, which might be true in terms of like, um, you well, know, the well, media like, hype around, right? Media. Exactly. But I, I think the level of base hits that everybody, or yeah. you know. Ground rules double. Yes. In the case of boxers and saints, you know I love you know, baseball yes, metaphors. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, and so I mean, I, I think that it's it's a steady raining. It's raining base hits right now, and go. I think that ultimately having that level of really strong material is uh, even more important yeah. than having one book that's like you know that's dragging everything behind it that might not be as good. You know, I love, you know, comics are working to count. They're getting runners on base and they're driving them home. They are. They are, they are. <laughs> and on that unfortunate metaphorical note, we'll move on <laughs> to, to Comics Alliance. To Comics Alliance. Yes, well, they back. They're back after a brief hiatus. Actually, uh, and now I'm completely blanking on the name of the company because it's one of those like... I, I, Town I Square have Media Town has Square, acquired, there you go. Town Square Media. I knew it was one of those names yeah. that's like open source <laughs> yes, or force, yeah. force Shield or... You know, <laughs> Some, time block. Something sounds like town Village yeah. Green. Yes, yeah, Village, <laughs> Village Green, Green Media. People talk. Town Square Media. <laughs> yes, and yes. Um, they reopened with an image of, like, looking out from the Lazarus pit. Yeah, right. It was, yes. No, they didn't. And then they offered up a, a sort of comics yes. narrative. Uh, of their history. Of the history, starting with Laura Hudson and yeah. moving forward. But, so. um, but, you know, essentially, Town Square uh, didn't just buy Comics Alliance, which is no, important to note that they bought a whole bunch here. of uh, music uh, blogs that had also mm. been set, uh, shut down by AOL. And the guy who runs Town Square uh, used to run... AOL's uh, media division. So, you know, okay, probably just gathering up some of his, his yeah. previous uh, belongings. But, you know, that's, that's kind of wonderful news that they... 
Uh, you know, something that got shut down so suddenly actually has found a new home, and people who, who are out of work are yeah. working still. And then, you know, it's pretty inspiring. Pretty and good it's news, right there. Not just new content there; they managed to get the license for all their back yes. content. So the whole site is there. It's like yeah. it never left you. Yeah. Well, I, my understanding is that it hasn't actually moved, and they're going to have to. I mean, yes. It, yeah, the port it, it, it yes, over they some, might have to port else. over it in some way. It's but all there. Yes, it's all there. Yes, right, yes. So, so a happy ending. For so once. welcome back. CA. Okay, you know we've been talking a little bit about uh, about um, the book market here, and here's like uh, the, the, dark the perils. Uh, I mean, I was just talking. You know, I when the I was talking to one mass market. Perils of mass market. <laughs> you know, I, I sometimes you talk to to some book publishers. They're like, oh my god, you know, we're getting into Walmart and Target, and, oh. and you're like, oh boy, you know, this could be dangerous. And with Antarctic Press, that is true because they got last year into Walmart. I'm not sure what they were selling exactly. It yeah. probably was that wimpy kid, um, that yeah. wimpy kid did parody they that they did. Straighten the legalities that out they, around yeah, that. Yes, they did. Well, they uh -huh. had to change their trade dress. So basically, yeah. they were doing a parody of Wimpy Kid, hmm. um, and it was way too close. They got sued by Scholastic. So hmm. perhaps that is what we're talking about. But be that as it may, they had to ship so much, so much product walmart and then they got the returns and walmart's notorious and yeah which good, happens good all returns. the time so their debt is seven they're now they're seventy thousand dollars in yeah. debt so um so they started an indiegogo and it's only for three thousand dollars not yeah, for seventy thousand yeah. which i thought was a real good faith you know yeah. antarctic has been around for almost yes, 30 I mean, years they were so. really doing i mean they were doing uh uh was it english language m manga I and mean, even before to Tokyo Pop was, yeah, was they, out there. They're yes. behind uh, Ninja High School. Yeah, yeah, and sure. And they're also publisher Strangers in Paradise. Yeah, yeah. Um, the original. Uh, yeah. What's it? Uh, Rod Espinosa's uh, yeah. Neotopia. Yeah. Really yeah. terrific Perry. books. Courageous yeah. Princess. Yeah, a lot um, of really... Uh, Fred Perry's, you know, uh, his... Manga stuff. Yeah, Ninja High School. Ninja High School. Uh, Warrior yeah. Nun, Ariola. I mean, yes. they have all these kind of like yeah. bizarre little books that have a following and they've lasted a long yeah, time. Absolutely. So, I anyway, I, I, I mean, I think it's just another. I'm, and they're not just putting a hand out. You put in your Indiegogo money and they'll send you a bunch yeah, of Yeah. Now, yes. And so, I, I mean, I think it's a really good faith effort. And I mean, I, I, I think they've already come very, very close. Yeah. Or they yeah. Will, well, yeah, so. they're already, they've got 45 days left to go and they're already. And they're asking for so little. Yeah. So they may go above and beyond. Although I noticed somebody had noticed that they had not... Um they had not differentiated foreign shipping, and that if you're oh, doing so anyway, that's a bad idea because yeah, it'll it. cost a fortune. But, but anyway, beware the Walmart. Be careful what you wish for. Getting into mass market brings as many troubles as it solves. Yeah, yeah there's a notorious story of what happened to Bay and Books when they had a science fiction novel written by Gingrich. Right. Right. And uh, they almost got taken down by Newt Gingrich and, and the big chains because <laughs> nobody wanted to read it, sadly. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Well, good luck, Antarctic. Uh, Kindle Worlds. Uh, this is a kind of a pre-BEA story that uh, was very interesting mm -hmm. in that uh, basically Amazon set up a sort of pre-licensing deal with Alloy Media to allow fan fiction to be paid. Yeah, to be licensed and paid and to get royalties. Um, now, an and interesting to, bit yes, of background, on. though, is that Alloy is owned by Warner Brothers, mm. the same right. as DC Comics. Yes. 
Um, so this has gotten some people very interested. In right. Saying, well, they did on there. You know, Todd Ireland, one of our writers, wrote a follow-up story mm-hmm. to the initial announcement where he kind of ran through some of the numbers that you might have. And, you know, in their promotional material, they say comics. I mean, they say oh, yeah. your favorite oh, video games, movies, yeah, TV shows, and mm-hmm. comics. So, yeah. I mean, it's not like they they aren't including. So everybody mm-hmm. who was, you know, wildly speculating, does yeah. this mean they'll be doing DC fanfic? Yeah. Um, Maybe. Maybe now maybe maybe is the thing. They're also supposed to be talking with other licensors yeah. uh, about licensing this stuff in advance. Um, but they certainly do advertise in the in the uh, promotional copy that comics will be part of. It, well, right? it's, it's all very interesting because, especially when you look at what the properties they have licensed, we've licensed Gossip Girl, Vampire Diaries, and Pretty Little Liars. Mm. However, they are saying um, no sexual content. And these are shows that have God. sexual content. Drat. And, well, no, but when you look at what people would actually want out of a Vampire Diaries fanfic in a show that has the vampires having sex all the time, yeah. I'm not sure what there is to write for PG-rated well, Vampire well, Diaries. I suspect they mean explicit sex, though, don't you think? I don't think that they're yeah, gonna... Yeah, I think it means that like nobody think, can lie. I don't think you can you know, say, I mean, hey, come, come on. on back to my place with me and well, let's yeah, but, but the sh- the show Then there's a roaring... Then sex. there's a fire place. But the, the, the logs are yeah. bursting into flame. The, the show gets pretty R-rated for yeah. a television show. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see where they draw the line. Well, it does. Because they have rules like uh, no offensive content and no poor experience, which basically, who knows what that will well, mean. These well, are, I, the, I, this is not a thing where... This is not like... Um, you know, put your stuff up there and we'll publish it. You no. know, this is no, like it has to be filtered. approved and it yeah. has to be... That, that, yeah. You're right about one they thing for sure. quality control. That uh, not everything is going to be approved. Yes. No. <laughs> yes. No. And there are other guidelines too. And, and, and uh, let the buyer or let the, uh, the uh, new fan fiction auth- licensed author beware. Um, you, you have to keep all your characters in a single world. You cannot cross worlds. You can't have... Different worlds coming into one another, you know, and is, also um, they can use your creations. Yeah, you're the doing, the franchise can use you will own your creations uh, and can use them in the canon of the franchise, and you will not be paid more, nor will you receive credit. Well, what you can, actually it's a little more complex than that. If you create like an original character or something, it, well, you can own your, Mary you can own Sue. original Let's characters. Let's say you create a new character named Mary Sue. Yeah. Mary Sue, they can use Mary Sue, but yes. you can use Mary Sue also. So if yes. you want to write your own novel about Mary Sue and you don't yes. mention any vampire the other ones, characters, yes. right, you're safe. Yes. All right. So it's not like they own your characters forever. Right, yes. right, right. Um, but it actually, from both sides of the uh, tie-in and fan fiction world, um, there's a certain amount of criticism on the um, more tie-in novel side uh, John Scalzi, uh, president of Sifwa, popular science fiction author, um, was saying that you know this is sort of crowdsourced tie-in novels, and was worried about what this will mean for science fiction authors who are making their money on tie-in novels. You know, will it, will that source of income go away? Um, on the other side, um, the Organization for Transformational Works, the Basically, the fan fiction legal defense fund. Um, <laughs> I didn't even know there was such a thing. I didn't either. I love it. Go on. There is, and <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> um, they, they've actually like gone head to head with copyright laws and stuff. Anyway, um, 
is saying like, well, they're a little wary of it for fan fiction authors saying that they, the right situation is very work for hire. Um, basically, you're getting 13 to 20 cents on dollar for short stories. Um, 24 to 35 cents on dollar for novels and novellas. And this is a lot less than you would get for anything else on Amazon. And you're giving up all rights to this. Yeah, but I, you know, guess what? You didn't have the rights to Gossip Girl <laughs> out anyway. You know? Well, no, but I mean, the thing is yeah. that when people write fan fiction for themselves, they can write anything they want and publish whatever they want and not yeah. worry about these yes. restrictions. And, not and when, you know, you may only sell, like, 20 copies, right. you just spent two months writing something to spec for but $3.50. Let me, ask you, let me ask you this. Is there a way to monetize fan fiction now? No, but not people legally. generally don't want to. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. But I'm just saying. Well, I mean, I'm just saying that, that yeah. it's a question of, like, is it enough money to make it worth it? Because, like I said, you may get, what, $3.50 if you're lucky right. for your uh, 20,000 words of fiction. And is it enough to be bothered with? Yeah, we but shall yeah. see. Well, you know what? I think this opens up, an, I mean, this opens up tons and tons and tons of questions. But, I mean, it yeah. certainly opens up this new kind of gray market, okay? Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, so many... Uh, top writers did start out writing fanfic. And so, I mean, you know, wasn't it... Um, oh, 50 many, many, many. Yeah, but I mean, Fifty Shades of Grey started uh, out as a Twilight fanfiction. Filed off the serial numbers hilariously. Yes. It yes. was so different from actual Twilight that all they needed to do was change the names sure. and right. clean up the grammar. Right, exactly. And, you know, uh, I mean, Cassandra Clare, one of the top authors today, I know she started out writing fanfic. I mean, and that's she just started out as an infamous I mean, fanfiction yes. writer. I mean, the actually. notion... But, but I, I, oh, I'm sorry. I, I do think the notion that somehow uh, you're going to create this... Uh, which you could happen, of course. Some incredible part of of, the, of these franchises that are going to make a billion million dollars that may happen. But I think what may more often may happen is that this can be a step up for writers who do actually want to enter into the realm yes. of doing yeah. a mean, licensed exactly. work. Because but, I'm just saying, it's like if you are out there, like you know, basically you are, of course. Um, you know, creating elements that are, but they're not, they're in a shared, let's call it a shared universe. It's a okay? shared universe. It's a shared yeah, universe. It's not a new thing. And the shared way universes. that you're sitting there writing your fan fiction at home, you're not going to get any money out of it. Yeah. At least this way, it creates a class of potential professional Absolutely. fan fiction writers. And, and, well, and, you know, I mean, I think, like, I, I think it's, a, it's an option. It's certainly an Absolutely. option it's an for option. people. It's a yeah. very interesting option. Yes. It raises a lot of questions. I think a lot of people are just watching it and are very interested to see where it will go. Right, right, right. I and mean, you think there's Amazon, a lot of... Oh, I'm sorry. Amazon has a long history of actually using its, um, its, its self-publishing platforms to call writers uh, into other deals. That's what it does with CreateSpace. Uh, many, many of the, 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 the novels that are published through CreateSpace uh, have sort of been uh, called from KDP and ultimately uh, from CreateSpace. People can sometimes move on to Amazon yeah. publishing. And, I, and, well, I mean, 50, so you know, there's a variety of ways right. that this can benefit right. young I mean, writers, yes. emerging I mean, writers. This is basically as the, well as the, potential exploitation. The world that Fifty Shades of Grey created, which, well, like Adventure Time, which I mentioned earlier, is another game changer. And in terms, if you know, Fifty Shades of Adventure Time. I but mean, the that's interesting what we really thing need. is that Fifty Shades of Grey would never have made it into Kindle Worlds, right? Because and the the very things about fan fiction that make it like id candy for people that they gobble down hundreds of thousands of words of it 
will that really be in the very controlled playground of Kindle Worlds where most of these things right. are not allowed? So it's like so it, taking it may, away the danger and the fun. Yeah, it, it may you may end up with a product that's not that different from what's on the bookshelves in the bookstores now, and it'll be interesting to see how that sounds. Well, what do you think? I mean, what do you think? You think there's an enthusiasm among, uh, for this among well, the fanfic community? Well, I mean, from what I've seen, you know, researching this topic, um, it seems like the established fanfiction writers are very, well, I don't know, is it really worth the bother? I'll probably get three bucks. Right. Whereas I know I'll get like 10,000 people reading it if I publish it for free. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably the strong market for people doing this will be the quote-unquote feral fan who is sitting at home watching Vampire Diaries and is like, hey, dude, I can get money for this, and then writes it. Um, Bingo. Right, right. right. Well, you know, that's not nothing. Yeah. You know what that's called? The internet. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And what we're seeing really is a a continuation of the process of the the democratization of access to to, to, to audiences. Well, well, I mean, I think the audience access was there, but this is more the monetization. Yes, and this is the potential monetization. Well, you know what? This was was like Alloy saying, you know what? People want to read these unauthorized things. Let's get a dime out of this. Let's squeeze a dime out of it. And what's most interesting about the properties they chose from Alloy is that they are company owned. I mean, this is not like they said, oh, Harry Potter, go right ahead, write that fanfic, you know, because J.K. Rowling would detest that. These are three properties that are owned by Ally Media. They're created by Ally well, actually, Media. And many authors very, do hate... Some authors don't like yeah, fan fiction. Yeah. There, there's definitely a split on yeah. the subject. Uh, people are becoming more fan fiction friendly as they realize yeah. that they have actually not gotten into any lawsuits with fan fiction authors and that mm-hmm. fan fiction authors will not eat them. But actually, what's, speaking of, of creator rights and what's owned, uh, Vampire Diaries famously um, kicked out their writer of the book series for the last book because they didn't like the way she wanted to end it. And even though she had been a best-selling writer for them and had sold a gazillion Vampire Diaries books, when they saw the ending she wanted, they were just like, no, that's too exciting for us. You can't write the last book. Wow. So this opens the floor to, can L.J. Smith now finally publish through Kindle World her own alternate ending that she wanted I think she'd be very smart to do that. And, you know, just to... Everyone to, would to, buy that This one. is opening a huge, uh, another can of worms, but, you know, in talking about all the, you know, these feral fans that you're talking about and, you know, people uploading their stories, I mean, is it really that different than working for Marvel or DC at this point? I mean, there's such well, licensing companies. I mean, really, it's like well, the, you the might as well is, upload your Batman story and... The difference is that you get an upfront payment for your Batman story yes. today at the moment, um, which is sort of what's giving the consternation to the current work-for-hire writers who are used to their advance, going, is this the future of no advance ever? You know, will everything be thrown to, to the hungry young who are willing to work for the possibility of future profit? We shall see. We will see indeed. Um, moving right along. Back to, yeah, back to the, the comicsology well, and is, Apple and yeah. and and uh, and Apple's need to approve. Well, uh, this is like a thing that we were talking about a while ago with this, the whole this saga. Really uh, this time it really happened, and so after Saga was 
was not up on, was banned and then unbanned, except it never really was banned. But then all of the yeah. comics that had been previously um, unapproved by Comixology, because it turned out Comixology was pre-unapproving yes. them yes. for yes. Apple, uh, were up on there. And then, guess what? Um, something like Black Kiss, Howard Chaikin's very, very explicit erotic comic from Image, um, turned out to be adults only. And they do not at this time allow that kind of material to be sold uh, via apps. Now, you can buy them on Comixology's website. You can buy them via the Image you, know, you what, can buy what, them on the Android marketplace. The Android, yes. But for apps, you are not allowed to sell that. So about 50 books. 56 titles. Yes. And I even have uh, Omaha the Cat Dancer, yes. which we were discussing earlier. Yank. A very, again, explicit. You know, uh, No straight lines. Now that's going to be a problem. That no straight lines... That is... Wasn't that an Eisner winner? Yeah, but it's also explicit. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean... Well, I mean I'm the, well, remember now, Apple... The, there's a difference. Apple is against explicit unless it's the author or the work is a, uh, has some... Dis, no, it's dis, your, no, you are not allowed to sell adults. No, no, no. Only Believe material. me, this has happened before and Apple has backed down. They have, they have taken comics off. They took off Ulysses Scene. Yeah, but... Calvin, wasn't Ulysses seen just some language and a picture of a pee-pee? I mean, we're talking about explicit sex scenes. Well, it was, it was just that. But yes. then there was, okay. also, there was also another book. Um, um, Portrait of Darian Gray. It was an Ernest... What was it? It was an uh, Oscar Wilde. Yeah, but that, again, book. was not... There was also... Yeah, but that was not to the level of material that we're talking about mm. here. I mean, have you looked at Black Kiss? I mean, it's yeah, very, yes, yes, I read Black Kiss years yes. ago. I know yes. exactly what it is. Yes, so but, this is. I mean, I think the books that were. I mean, we could go down the list and see if there's some that we think they went overboard with. But I mean, if you're going to say is Black Kiss uh, and Omaha the Cat Dance or adults only, uh, you know, do you want this where the kids can find it? I don't think anybody would want them sitting in the you know the kids app. Okay, you know so, the kids can go other places and yes, get it, exactly. you get it so much easier. Yes, so much easier. It does sort of raise the question of, like, do you really want to kid-proof an entire platform? They may have. They, I mean, they have uh, originally bland Ulysses scene just for you know a nipple or two. But Molly Bloom's um, soliloquy is coming up. And <laughs> that's that more. That's yeah. more than just you yes. know yeah. a nipple or two yes, here and there. True. So that's true. So we'll see how uh, they handle. Well, I, we know how they handle it. They're going to leave it well enough alone at this point. Yeah. But that's that's the inconsistency of this yes. is is what I think is going to be the, the need for them to come up with a different yeah, a, technological I mean, they solution. Left, they did leave Saga uh, up. Saga twelve. Yeah. The the controversial issue was yeah. not taken down. But well, a lot of they them wiped the. The bit. There might be a uh, there might be an oh the, the yeah. yeah the yeah, image on the screen yeah polarizing yeah. yeah on the other hand it was just sort of a reflected image in somebody's yeah. helmet yeah. so didn't so, really change so the, I mean yeah I mean I don't think much. anybody has has you know gone to bat for the books that were taken off that they weren't adult content and um, but you know uh, another fight will come but this time comicsology is in the clear so <laughs> yes yes <laughs> oh well and I think it's time for news briefs. It sure is. So, Free Comic Book Day 2013, according to Diamond Comics, has raised $2.2 million in free publicity and record attendance. Um, USA Today, Fox News, CNN, and NPR all heavily covered this year's Free Comic Book Day, and 4.6 million comics were given out this year. Um, DC has announced their first major crossover event, since they rebooted themselves. Oh, yeah, since and 52. it is entitled Forever Evil, 
and is a <laughs> yes, it's coming out this September during Villains Month. Uh, meanwhile, you will get a special 3D villain cover on your Villains Month comic. Guaranteed to bring on a seizure, but yeah. go on. Yeah. <laughs> but no, those are you know those are GIF representations of lenticular covers. Uh, okay. so, anyway, well, no, no, it's, it's, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's I'm sure they'll be fine. It, supposedly, it's, it's this new version of lenticular covers that has never been used before. It's new technology. Just so that you can get nausea-inducing Joker. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, I look forward to it. Yes. yes, and Forever Evil will have the villains attempting to take over the world while the big three are out and vulnerable due to the Trinity story. You know, every generation gets that story. And it's yes. okay. Right. And meanwhile, for stories that are coming up for every generation, apparently Fox Studios and Marvel have been quietly quarreling for the last year or so over custody of... Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, but in an astonishingly mature decision, they have decided to share the characters. So Wanda and Pietro, who have no association with any Avengers ever, shall appear in the new X-Men movie, and Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, whose uh, mutancy is never mentioned and Magneto is never mentioned, shall appear in Avengers 2. Happily ever after. And which one is the fanfic? <laughs> if only our fans could see you gesticulating as you go to this news brief. It was, it's almost worth the price of... Uh, we, <laughs> we, can sell tickets. we can sell tickets to you uh, gesticulating your way through the news briefs. <laughs> well, since the podcast is free, I'm sure it's worth the price. <laughs> this is the one time, since this was a very long, long podcast, there is no more to come. Yeah. There's nothing. Well, We've the... done. We covered it all.